The following is a President's Chapel by Professor Joel Kim, President of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this chapel message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. wscal.edu, 888-480-8474. I also have the privilege of finishing out our psalm series by turning to one that is one of my favorites as well as a favorite of many, Psalm 121. So would you join with me in turning to Psalm 121 as we hear the the Lord's words. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So far, the reading of his word. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, it is indeed a great joy for us to be able to approach you and call you our Father in heaven because of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. As we open up your word this morning, we ask that you'll teach us, you'll mold us by the word. And as it lives, cut us to the heart, O Lord, that all that we think, all that we feel, All that we do may be shaped by it. We thank you for your word and pray this in the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Friends, I find myself consuming a lot of stuff these days. I read a lot more, tackling and taking on books that uh, have been sitting on my shelves for some time. I am saturated with news, often about the pandemic and the virus, the ever-escalating number of people sick or dying, uh, people battling over when the economy should open up again, as well as the resulting economic downturn and the potential effects upon churches and institutions like ours. In fact, this morning, several articles that I was reading about higher ed and the effect that this virus will have upon higher ed. I also watch a lot of more entertainment, of course, for my children, not for me. Um, Um, But as we engage in these things, and as weeks turn into months and months into even a longer period of time, I am noticing the effects of this overconsumption and overflow of information on my mind as well as my heart. So perhaps we can begin this morning with the question, what are you consuming these days? What are you thinking about and reflecting on? And how are these things, this information that you've gained, affecting you about how you feel, how you think, and how you reason on a day-to-day basis? If I'm honest, these things cause me great stress often. And in times of stress, I find myself returning to Psalm 121 over and over again. In it, as you might recall, the psalmist directs our eyes to God. Instead of consuming those things that are circumstantial around us, he directs our eyes to see God and to understand who he is. 
For you see, after days, or perhaps weeks of travel, the pilgrim pictured here looks with anxiety at the hills that surrounded his destination, Jerusalem. His feet are sore, his muscles are aching, and he is hopeful, yet weary after this long journey as he mutters, I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? He actually doesn't take long before he actually answers his own question. The answer is provided by the pilgrim himself in Psalm 121, and it's a simple one when he says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. For the psalmist, the Lord is the source of our salvation. In fact, he is the only source of our deliverance and salvation. He is the only one mighty enough and faithful enough to meet our needs. To depend on any other gods is not only wicked, it is ultimately useless. As one commentator comments, the thought of the verse leaps beyond the hills to the universe, beyond the universe to the maker. He is the living help, primary, personal, wise, and immeasurable. Frankly, this has been the confession of true believers, both old and new. Psalm 3.8 declares, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Psalm 124 verse 8 declares, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. You may recall Jonah 2.9, in the belly of the big fish, he cried out, salvation belongs to the Lord, he said. Perhaps there are many of us here and today who identify with this confession. This is considered by many to be a traveling confession as one of the Psalms of Ascents. For the psalmist, all who gather in Jerusalem to worship God can identify with this psalm. And for this reason, this has been used by many missionaries and many who are traveling. For instance, the record of David Livingston, a famous missionary and explorer in Africa, who read this psalm with his father and sister as he began his long journey to Africa in 1840. I remember the first time when I too was traveling to Canada and one of the pastors sat me down and read me these verses as an encouragement and confidence builder for me. And the psalmist, as he thinks about this, it's not only about physical journey, however, it's about life also as traveling. One cannot forget that this psalm is preceded by a psalm that cries out from distress, in my distress I call to the Lord, and he answered me. Yet the psalm ends with these words, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war, the psalmist declares. Tired from life's journey, filled with anxiety and doubts from uncertainties of life, and overwhelmed by our sense of inadequacy, we perhaps can join the psalmist in crying out, where does my help come from? We need to hear and echo the confession of the psalmist when he says, my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. The message in the psalm can actually end here, but it doesn't. Often what we find in ourselves is that what we confess and what we believe and feel are two different things. There is a separation of what we actually know and believe and how we conduct ourselves and feel about these things. And perhaps the psalmist understood this well about our tendencies to confess without conviction. The psalmist provides reasons for such confidence. 
Perhaps we're grumblers. Perhaps we're thankless. Perhaps we're anxious. To assure this warring, these warring hearts, the psalmist repeats a word variously translated, keeps, as the translation I read, watches over or preserves. While the English translations might vary, the same word is used six times in these short eight verses. And by its repetition, the psalmist calms our fears by reminding us of who God is. As he answers this question of where our deliverance comes from, he turns our eyes quickly to the very one who gives it, and he explains to us who the Lord is. Well, there are three things that the psalmist reminds us of. The Lord cares. He's a caring one. As verses 3 and 4 repeat, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I would admit this morning that I prefer the image offered in the NIV, the New International Version, where it says, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber, and he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. It's an image of God as a vigilant watch, watchman who neither sleeps nor tires. I've used this example many times, and perhaps you've heard it as well, but I remember the first time my wife Sharon and I brought Anna, our first child, home. Uh, as first-time parents, there are lots of things we were proud about, and, but there are many more things we were nervous about. And one of those things was Anna sleeping at night and wanting to know that she's doing just okay. We would slip into our bedroom, check her out in her crib, and we would check just to make sure that she's breathing by putting our finger under her nose, sometimes seeing her chest move up and down. And at times, if we felt even more nervous, we would push her just to see her swarm, just to make sure that she's actually awake and sleeping. You, and when you take away the anxiety and the neurosis of first-time parents, and you have the image of God watching over us day and night, he is watching over us, for the Lord cares. As the Psalm 37, 28 declares, for the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. Psalm 145 declares, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him and all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Matthew 10 repeats this in terms of reminding us of the Lord's care in verse 29 and following. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Friends, the Lord cares as he watches over us. At the same time, the Lord is careful. This is the second part, isn't it? Not only does the Lord care, he is also careful. Verses five and six declare, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. 
Perhaps you recognize the comprehensive nature of his care. He is careful to meet all your needs. Imagine yourself traveling, perhaps as a pilgrim. What might be your greatest fear? Not only provisions that keep you going, but perhaps even safety. And here's the psalmist explaining that even the details of the pilgrim's travel, even where his foot may be, is carefully provided and determined by God. When the psalmist says that neither the sun nor the moon will harm them, he is arguing that nothing can stand in their way. No adversity can overcome those who are protected and watched by the Lord. And even the circumstances, even if they seem incomprehensible to us, here the promise to us is that the Lord knows and the Lord watches over. Not only because the Lord cares, the Lord is also careful full, both in the big and small, in the public and private things, he knows and he watches over. But not only does the Lord care, not only is the Lord careful, he's also constant, constant. The fact that someone cares and that the the person is also careful may be meaningful to us, but if the person keeps changing on us, His care and her carefulness may not mean much to us in the long run. Maybe it will last us a day, a week, months. But we have no guarantees to be able to say that his care and careful care is constant among us. But here, the psalmist reminds us that our caring father is constant in his care. Verses 7 and 8 remind us this. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. He who does not change does not forget nor forsake us. He who cannot change cannot forget nor forsake us. Although we may suffer from spiritual amnesia, forgetting hour after, perhaps a day after, perhaps days after, forgetting the goodness of the Lord in his preservation and provisions for us. Who among us can say that apart from the Lord, we've carried on our lives? All of us have been touched by his grace and recognize his provisions, his powerful presence and provisions in our our lives. But it doesn't stop us from forgetting those things and starting as if anew, asking before the Lord with anxious hearts those things that we do need. However, friends, though we may suffer from spiritual amnesia, his promise to us is sure. He is faithful and he cannot change. This is why the psalmist reminds us over and over again that he is a promise-keeping God. Psalm 125, verses 1 and 2 say, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Psalm 131, verse 3, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. This is the key, isn't it? This is the Lord's promise, this time forth and forevermore. It is a promise made not only to the Israelites of old, not only for himself, the psalmist, but to you and to me. The promise was fulfilled 
when this praise of salvation is repeated for us in Revelation chapter 7, verse 10, and reminds us of the one who fulfilled it. Salvation belongs to our God. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the very Lamb. The change here, of course, is the fact that our salvation and our help for comes from God in Christ Jesus, who came just at, at the right time of promise and fulfillment. As Galatians 4 reminds us, but when the fullness of time had come, God, keeping his promises, sent forth his son, born of women, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And this God, who kept his promise in the son, Jesus Christ, promises to keep us, preserve us, to watch over us. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You may recall the same word used in the Septuagint is repeated for us actually in Jude one twenty four to a group of people who are being preserved by the Lord in the midst of judgment and trials, actions against them by false teachers in the last times. This is what's repeated for them. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. To him who is able to keep, preserve, watch over you. Friends, our confidence daily really are not found in those things we can amass, that we can trust in other people or the actions of governments. Our confidence is not found in some decisions to be made forthcoming for our family, our institution, for our church, for any kinds of policies that may be before us. But our confidence is found in God, who is our promise keeper, who cares and is careful and constant. I've noticed that many people have been turning to Heidelberg Catechism question and answer 27 to remind us of the providence of God. And I want to repeat it this morning as well. What do you understand about the providence of God? Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which God upholds, as with his hand, heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, highlight, underline, in fact, come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Though repeating this Q&A 27, many do not actually read the following Heidelberg Q&A 28, because it follows up in that teaching of providence by asking, how does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? The answer provided almost five centuries ago was this, that we can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and for the future, 
we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature will separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved. Patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, confidence in the future are the three things that you and I, you and I can reflect upon even as we think upon the many challenges and change around us. May the Spirit work in you, brothers and sisters, that you may be patient in the midst of this and current adversity, thankful always for the Lord's presence and provisions, and have confidence, not in ourselves, but in the faithful God who goes before us and is present with us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning opening up your word and asking that you teach us, challenge us, stretch us, and mold us. Thank you for the reminder of uh, your promise-keeping nature, that you care, that you're careful in all ways, both big and small, despite the fact that we may not see those things well, and that you're constant, and that your promise once made will be kept forever in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we come before you this morning giving thanks to you for your kindness to us. Cover us with your mercy and your grace daily. Lord, be with those families who are struggling at the moment, either with illnesses or financial difficulties, that you'll strengthen them in, even in the midst of this adversity. Grant them patience, O Lord, and peace, as well as the provisions necessary for them to uh, 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 move forward each and every single day. But most of all, Lord, may they turn to you and have confidence in, in their Father in heaven who leads them and guides them. Be with us, O oh Lord, the, the institution that we love and serve and the various churches to which that all of us, all of us as members belong. We ask that you will teach us, O oh Lord, to move from our own preservation to our desire to serve those who are around us and to move even from that desire to serve to you, that our eyes and our hearts may be fixated upon you, that your name will be lifted up with thanksgiving without ceasing, and the gospel of Christ Jesus may be proclaimed and declared without hesitation, recognizing that more than anything else, what this world needs is to hear the deliverance and salvation that comes in your son, Christ Jesus. For we pray these things in his name. Amen. Copyright 2020, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.